This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. The time on Free FM is 13 and a half minutes past eight. I'm Brian Smith and with me this morning is Tim McIndoe. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Brian. And a very good morning to all the listeners out there on a fairly chilly morning. It is chilly, yes, if indeed. If you haven't been out to your car but you need to get to work, I suggest you go take a hot water bottle or something out. You might need to defrost, uh, to get the ice off your windows. There we are. Well, we were talking very positively a fortnight ago and then uh, the place fell apart. <laughs> a fortnight ago. Um, what really happened to Todd Muller? I mean, it was just too much for him. Well, you're quite right. It has been an extraordinary fortnight. When I was sitting here two weeks ago, Todd was still the leader of the party. Yeah. He was the deputy leader, and uh, I had no idea of what was about to happen uh, 24 hours later. Uh, I think it is clear that the job did get on top of Todd in a in a significant way. Yeah. He is a very good man. He's a very decent, intelligent man. Yep. Yeah. I have always felt that he would make a very fine leader of our party, and so I'm personally devastated for him and for his family at what happened. We don't know for certain what has happened, but um, I dare say more details will emerge in due course, and I'd rather not speculate on it. Sure. All I can say is that he's a very principled uh, individual, Mm -hmm. and what has happened is a tragedy for him and his family, uh, but I, but one that I hope that they'll bounce back from. Yep. Uh, they are a lovely family. I uh, just pray and wish them all the very best. Fair and, enough. Uh, he, he's a very good contributor to our team, and I'm sure that in his new role, he's now the trade spokesperson and number eight on our front bench, mm-hmm. that he will play a very good role. He's a very constructive operator. Very good. And, of course, after he went, uh, Judith Collins came through the uh, thing there. Obviously, there was a vote, so I won't get yes. into uh, the uh, secrecy of that. And Jerry Brownlee, a solid backup. That's right. Well, it was a case on Tuesday, once we knew what had happened, of everybody changing our plans. <laughs> I had a full day's itinerary planned for uh, here in my electorate in Hamilton West because yep. it was a, a, what we call a recess week, but by... At half past ten, I was boarding a plane to go down to Wellington to choose a new leader, and that's certainly not what I woke up thinking I was going to be doing. It's one of those funny things about politics. Uh, But it was very much a case of cometh the hour, cometh the woman. And there's no doubt in my mind that Judith was the the right candidate and that, in my view, she's got off to a very good start. And I've been hearing very positive feedback from within the electorate. People like her clarity, her directness, her um, ability to cut through some quite you know challenging questions and mm. issues and just give a very uh, clear answer and a very different sort of position on a number of issues that will give the, the electorate a clear choice at the election which is now less than eight weeks away time moves on i think judith has sort of been in the wings for some time really yes she has <laughs> if i re- read the uh, political things uh, there jerry brownlee was he a surprise well, equally experienced. I think it was very important that we put forward a team that uh, was very experienced yep. because of what had happened. I mean, this um, upheaval was utterly unpredicted yep. and um, tumultuous given the... It would be at any time, but particularly this close to an election. So having a very experienced 
team of wise heads who can just steady the ship and refocus on what we need to be, yes. what we need to be doing, and what we need to be talking about is important. Right. Um, and so, yes, I mean, it was a surprise that both of them became the leaders <laughs> and deputy le deputy leader of the party in yes. those circumstances. But um, in retrospect, no, I think he was a very obvious choice for Judith as her deputy. So it looks much more solid from my point of view, sitting and looking at it. And uh, then, of course, we had the uh, the real nasty bits. Uh, mm. um, I just, just don't know what Falloon was thinking. You and me both. Uh, what he did was despicable, yeah. inexcusable, um, inexplicable, and... Uh, tragic really for his family yeah um, i feel for them i feel for him i think clearly there is something not right and there have been hints of uh contributing factors i mean mm. what he did was appalling mm. but there may be factors behind that uh, of which we need to be very sensitive yep. and for which he needs help and I hope he will get that help and I again my prayers and thoughts to his his family but in particular also to the women because it's not yeah. just one now we hear that there are several women who have been on the receiving end of this oh, filth gosh. and um, they didn't ask for it they would have been distressed by it it would appear that they've all acted absolutely appropriately in the way that they've dealt with it mm. so um, my best wishes and sympathy to them. I hope that it's not a, an experience that will um, cause them long-term problems, but surely, uh, certainly it's yeah. been a very um, upsetting incident in the short term. Yeah. I hope that they can recover from it quickly. And of course, on the other side of the fence, we had uh, Ian Lees Galloway. I thought he was uh, doing the job pretty well from where I was sitting. And uh, then... Yeah, I, I personally would disagree with you on that, because I think we saw with some bizarre okay. decision-making that he made, for instance, with the Carol Schrubeck oh. um, Thai kickboxer. Yep. Um, yep. That was never properly explained and was an appalling decision, show, uh, showing that he just hadn't read his papers, and uh, he continued to defend it when it was an indefensible decision. Right. So, And there were one or two other things that he had done. Overall, yeah, I agree, he was quite a... Um, a capable sort of operator. He said he, uh, he's a presentable character in the Parliament, yeah. but now we won't see him in the Parliament anymore because uh, it's unlikely, I would think, that he'll come back and do a, a valedictory speech. I may be wrong. He's been sacked as a minister. He's announced mm. he's not standing. And in fact, I saw that Labour have already selected their candidate yes. in Deputy, Palmerston Deputy North, Mayor, the Deputy Mayor down there. Mm -hmm. That was very quick. Uh, four days ago, yeah. um, Liz Galloway was their MP. Now they have a new candidate. So they have the same sort of challenge in Palmerston North that we now have in Southland, yeah. Northland Central and Rangitata right. of finding candidates and getting people established um, in order to fight a campaign which, as I say, will be over in eight weeks' time. That's right. If, if I'm sitting here in eight weeks from now, uh, goodness knows what the result will have been, but that's what we will be discussing. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a, an interesting one, if not slightly bizarre mm. election, I would think, uh, just coming out of the COVID thing mm. and, and that. And uh, you have to say the government handled that pretty well. They, they handled the public health response quite well. They were too slow to act, but once they did get acting, yeah. I think it's shown that it worked well. And, and we in the National Party supported that. There was a consensus within the parliament. Yep. So uh, we can collect Collectively, and I don't just mean we the politicians, I mean we the entire country, everybody listening can take credit for having responded very appropriately. Mm -hmm. Of course, now what we're seeing is it's much harder to come out of lockdown than it was to go into it. 
and the incident in Hamilton on Friday night uh, where five people break yeah. out of the Distinction Hotel, which is a managed isolation facility in Tirapa, is deeply disturbing, particularly as that's not the first incident from there. As the local MP, I wrote to the Minister, in fact, I think I mentioned this to you on my last uh, interview, mm-hmm. asking the Minister for some reassurances about security at that hotel. Well, on Friday night, it happened again. Five people broke out, and one of them made his way up to Auckland. Amazing. So, uh, while I'm not, I don't wish to be unduly alarmist because their initial three day testing, I think, showed that they were all COVID negative. The whole point of this managed isolation is to ensure that they can go through what is considered to be the full 12 day period sure. to prove negative before yep. they are allowed out and to mix into the community. There were. Um, some family reasons, I understand, in involving a bereavement. So you yes. have to have some compassion for the distress they would have been experiencing within the facility. Mm. But that is true of lots of people who are in these fac- facilities at the moment. Yep. And the others all know that they must obey the rules, that effectively, that are um, made possible now in law. These people, in choosing to break out, ignored the fact that they were about to get a decision an hour later anyway. So <laughs> I find it... E- Bizarre. They'd been led to believe that they would probably be getting a favourable decision yes. in an hour, and yet they broke out. Goodness knows what was going through oh their mind. Gosh. Very, very foolish, selfish mm. behaviour, particularly unsatisfactory just over the road from a retirement yes. village. And we understand now that one of them knocked on the door of a villa in that retirement village. So I've got more questions to ask of the Minister. Um, I am very, very angry about this. Mm. It should not be happening. Uh, Unfortunately, those who are trying to run these facilities will be doing their best, but it is clear that they've got huge challenges. And to anybody listening who is either in a managed isolation facility or knows somebody else, please stress upon them that every one of our five million people depends on them obeying the rules, being sensible, because the last thing we want to happen is to see community transmission of this as a result of some stupid behaviour, which knocks back all of the the gains we've had from a public health point of view, which have come at such huge economic cost to our country. You know, COVID has put lots of people out of work. It's put more businesses into a very vulnerable position. There are more job losses to come. This is very, very serious. And as I've said before, the public health response was about saving lives. Now we need to be about saving livelihoods and rebuilding our economy. And stupid thoughtless behaviour of this type cannot be tolerated. It's not going to help anyone. And uh, I I picked up something on uh, the news that, uh, you know, the economic situation in America and all these places, Britain, they're all on the same gun. And it could take, you know, 10, 15 years to really come out of it. Absolutely. Um, Obviously, some of those countries that you've just mentioned are still in... uh, desperate straits with the pandemic continuing to spread and record cases in some countries of uh, infection and deaths. Yep. So we're a long, long way before it being uh, conquered internationally. Mm. And the economic implications of that are huge. I would suggest it's going to be a lot longer than that. One of the things that this election campaign must be fought on here in New Zealand is which party or which team, uh, collection of parties has the best prescription for the COVID recovery in a way that will create real jobs, investment in the right sort of areas, um, whether it's infrastructure, Mm -hmm. industry, um, 
social services, etc., but without saddling our future generations with debt that'll be much more than 10 or 15 years to yeah. pay. And uh, this is a very serious issue. Yeah. It becomes a bit of a cliche. Every election you hear people saying, oh, this is the most important <laughs> election we've had for a long time. Yeah. And uh, you sometimes think, oh, yeah, okay, heard that before. Well, given the, the position we're in at the moment, I would suggest that this is the most important yep. election for a generation. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. really important that the politicians are out there campaigning on our package and prescription and this is why i'm so upset about what has happened in the last few weeks because um while the things that some of these mps have been doing are appalling and need to be called out that's not what we should be talking about eight weeks out from an election we should be talking about who's got the best law and order package who's got the best ideas for future direction of social Mm. services who's going to ensure that we invest in the infrastructure we need that's what i am talking about while i'm out knocking on doors and um, at public meetings and it's hugely frustrating that the media is not focusing on that because the public aren't hearing about the things they should be thinking about right. and making decisions yeah. about. Yeah. There's got to be a lot of decisions in uh, other electorates, of course, because mm-hmm. quite a few people have uh, tucked their hat out the door, as it were. Uh, people like Nikki Kaye, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's going to be a big loss for the party. Yes, she is. She's a very fine uh, colleague and a good friend of mine. We entered Parliament together. We actually have a, the same birthday, and because of our <laughs> um, our hair colour, I often describe us as the, the identical twins of the National Party. <laughs> hasn't really caught on, but uh, uh, she is a big loss, and yes. I uh, acknowledge the huge amount of work she's done uh, for the party as a minister, but also in her Auckland Central electorate, where yes. she worked incredibly hard. Yes. And and uh, the job of Mr Speaker, I guess, is to keep law and order. He's, <laughs> he was talking about uh, coming down much more firmly on some things. Yes, I always find it a little bit ironic that the current Speaker <laughs> is uh, talking about poorly behaved MPs because prior to becoming the Speaker, he did have a record that uh, would have been hard to beat for being thrown out of the house in some aspects of misbehaviour. But anyway, the... Um, <laughs> it was Hamilton the, Easter. They, they put the fox in charge... Uh, Hamilton West. West uh, They've put the fox in charge of the hand coop and he's he's, he's relishing that role. Yes, people often forget that he entered Parliament back in the Longy landslide of 1984 as the MP for Hamilton West and served two terms in that role. He beat Mike Minogue. Right. And uh, Mike Minogue, of course, being well known in this area, both as nine years as Hamilton West's MP and also prior to that being the mayor of Hamilton. Yes. Um, And then in 1990, and this is always a good trivial, or not trivial, pursuit quiz night question, who beat Trevor Mallard in 1990? And people tend to struggle now, but the answer is a former uh, city councillor, or rather he went on to be a councillor after he was the one-term MP, um, Grant Thomas. Oh, right, okay. And after Grant Thomas uh, came in 1993 for the first of his four terms, a certain gentleman by the name of Martin Gallagher. Yep. Uh, and of course there was Bob Simcock, um, beat yep. Martin one year but Martin then came back and then somebody <laughs> by the name of Tim McIndoe at the end of that <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you've had nine years isn't it? I've had 12 years 12 years mm-hmm. so uh, we hope that we uh, see you ne- next year and well that's we'll kind of you Brian I'm certainly hoping so as well but <laughs> I really do want to get out there's still so much to be done I yes mean, here in Hamilton we need to be getting on with a lot of the infrastructural development that is needed for such a rapidly growing city. In our region, National is pledging to extend the Waikato Expressway in a way that my my electorate and the people in our region are saying desperately needs to happen to make the the road to Tauranga safer 
more efficient, more environmentally friendly because if you can cut out um, intersections and all sorts of things, you yep. reduce emissions from cars and trucks slowing down and stopping and then idling at, at intersections, etc. Mm. Um, so we want to do that. I will continue to push for the Southern Links project, which is absolutely vital to improve the roading out to the airport and beyond through oh, yes. the King Country and Taranaki. I remain as passionate and have pushed at every opportunity I can the concept of the Waikato Medical School. Um, we are um, showing very clear signs of the fact that we want to, to renew our pledge for a provincial yep. medical school because it's desperately needed with a shortage of doctors. These are things I want people to vote on. Mm. Those are the things that they should be thinking about. Yep. Do you want that package? Are you prepared to pay for that? Or do you want what the other side um, is proposing? Think about that and go and vote on that. Mm. And when I talk about those issues on the doorstep, people tell me, yes, that's what we need. Right. We're, we're with you. Yep. But we've got to be able to talk about that. And the media have got to be covering that not all of the sort of yes, terrible yes. things that uh, we covered in the first part of this interview. And I, I'm not criticising you for that. Of course we did. That's what's in the news. But it's well, not yeah. what an election is no. about. And I, I'm thinking that myself and thinking, uh, when are we going to get some firm policy mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, straighten mm -hmm. the thing out? Because well, we, it's we only a matter of weeks. Yeah, you're right. We announced a huge infrastructure policy mm -hmm. uh, recently, including a tunnel under the Kaimais. Yes, right. Uh, that will mean that the roading, if we can get that from Whangarei down through Auckland to Hamilton and across to Tauranga, will be four-lane the whole way, tunnels through the Brindurans and the Kaimais. It's an ambitious project over 10 years, mm. possibly even a little bit longer. But what we are saying is we have to commit to it now, budget for it now, ensure that we get um, people on board, because if you live up in... In Auckland, and, and Free FM's range is pretty good. I've heard uh, Free FM while I've been travelling up on the top of the, the Bombay Hills. Yep, I, and so there may be people at the moment heading into Auckland, listening to this broadcast, who will know if they're frequent visit, um, commuters into Auckland how frustrating it is to be stuck on the roads going yes. in, into Auckland. If we can get on top of that, the benefit not just for convenience and road safety, but for our economy will be huge. The amount of lost productivity through being stuck in congestion in Auckland, mm. Wellington, uh, Tauranga, here in Hamilton, sometimes at Rush Hour, though we don't have anything like the problems that I've talked about in Auckland in particular, uh, is a huge cost. Yep. And we've got to be committed to doing something about it. We need to be looking at public transport options, rail and all sorts of things as well, but it is improving the roading network that will make the biggest difference for the vast majority of people. And uh, with autonomous vehicles coming, electric vehicles coming, which obviously will be good for the environment, people will continue to use roads in large numbers and we need to ensure that they are fit for purpose and able to cope with the, the numbers of people using them. Talking of those roads, and this is just a side issue, have you recently travelled from um, uh, Hamilton out to, um, to the uh, Temple View? Yes, I have. That mm. road's appalling. <laughs> well, Tuikaramia Road leading out to Temple View um, is, of course, a um, single lane road. Are you you're talking about the long straight stretch or as you get into Temple View itself? No, the long straight stretch is just full of bumps and right. running and uh, falling away here. And <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Um, yes, but at least you can, you can move along at its speed. It's yeah. uh, 
from for just after um, Gibson Road and the the top of the Kahikatea Drive extension, you get yes. a little bit further, get past the Rogerson Racing Stables on the left, and from there you you move to eighty k's, and yeah. so you get out to Temple View quite quickly. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, and I dare say that at some stage it'll be on the, the programme for improvement. But it, I get lots of complaints from people about roads. That's, you're the first person to complain about that. What I tend to get, and I'm campaigning on this as well and trying to work with the local authorities and, yeah. and the transport agency, is the need to improve a lot of the intersections in our city, mm. which, again, are hugely frustrating, whether it's Pukiti Road, Sandwich Road. Uh, I put a video up recently about some options there and a number of people are coming up with good ideas Allison Street into Kahikatea Drive the Dinsdale Roundabout yes. the Norton Road Roundabout with uh, Avalon Drive and Rifle Range Road I'm a, a strong believer that both that Roundabout and Dinsdale should be controlled by lights mm. at uh, rush hours because I, I came down through where, where we live uh, this morning came down Dinsdale Road through the Dinsdale Roundabout took a long time to get through because most of the traffic is coming from Tui Karamea right, Road right. They get a good run through. Traffic banks up on Fota Fota Road, and by the time you get round to Dinsdale Road, you can just sit there and sit there and sit there. And <laughs> Could have that means people ultimately take risks. Yes. They're getting frustrated. They need to get to work, and yeah. they're in a hurry for one reason or another. And at the other end of the day, the same problem happens with traffic banking up down Killarney Road, trying to get on to yeah. Dinsdale Road and head out to, to Raglan or up to Western Heights or whatever. So these are areas that do need improvement, but okay, we'll put Tui Karamea Road heading out to Temple View on the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've discussed these uh, places with the uh, on my council comment program with oh, the yes. various councillors, right. and uh, I think uh, they're frustrated too. You know, with regard to some mm, of these yeah. uh, intersections. And, yeah, and, well, and, and I've certainly I've had a good chat with Martin Gallagher recently about yeah, it, yep. and he he agrees. I've spoken to Jeff uh, Taylor, the deputy yep. mayor. I think I've had a brief conversation with Paula Southgate, and I've certainly she knows some of the mm. the work I'm trying to do um, around Kahikatea Drive, Allison Street, and ultimately I anticipate probably sitting down with them and others to say, okay, here are some of the ideas that have been put forward for improving it. Obviously, everything's got to be um, carefully considered by roading engineers to ensure mm. that it will work based on um, modelling and, and experience elsewhere. And also, also, it's all got to be funded. Yes. But uh, these are, to my mind, critical issues for our con my constituency. And as the local MP, unfortunately, they're not government-funded roads. I can only advocate, but I do see it as an important part of my job to do that, yep. and I am. Okay. Just to finally then, so when does Parliament close down, as it were, and electioneering really get Officially, going? Thursday of next week. August the 6th is the last day. Uh, you may have uh, seen that some of the valedictory speeches of retiring yep. MPs have already been delivered. We had Clayton yep. Mitchell from New Zealand First. Maggie Barry and Anne Tolley from the National Party right. last week all delivered very uh, uh, very good valedictories um, and in some cases quite moving, often entertaining and yeah. witty as they observe some <laughs> of the things that have gone on during their careers. <laughs> this week there will be quite a few of the uh, National uh, retiring MPs. There are now three Labour MPs. Remains to be seen whether Ian Lees Galloway will do one, but Ruth Dyson and yes. Claire Curran are also going from, from Labour. Right. Uh, there's Gareth Hughes from the Green Party. So there'll be several of those valedictories this week and next. At the same time, the government has been trying to rush through a whole lot of legislation and making a lot of use of urgency. Mm. So we've been having very long hours, um, sitting till midnight several nights um, and probably doing that once or twice this week as well. But officially, it's now less than a fortnight to go. So assuming I'm here in a fortnight from today, 
we'll be reflecting on the fact that the 52nd Parliament has officially finished, finished. and by that point we, I guess, are into full campaign mode. Right. Well, we wish you all the very best on that. And, Thank you. Uh, and your, your week down in Parliament this week. And uh, a lot of work to be done by the National Party because the polls are not showing good mm. signs. Mm. Well... The polls are variable. Last night's TV3 News Hub poll was obviously very poor. We genuinely believe it's a rogue poll. <laughs> Normally I wouldn't, and, and, and you might expect me to say that, Normally yep. we wouldn't comment on any individual polls, but naturally the media was, um, well, some of them were salivating because those who are very mm. left-wing don't want a national uh, party to have a chance in this election, <laughs> and they, they were loving it. Um, our own internal polling is very different from that. It shows that we're behind Labour at the moment, no question of that, but the the gap was closing. I think that it was inevitable, given last week and the period in which that poll was taken, we'd had the um, astonishing fact of Todd Muller resigning, yeah. which no one saw coming, as I say, at this time no, of fortnight. Last time I sat in this chair, Todd was still he, the leader of the party. Yeah. Um, we still had the fallout of the previous MP, Hamish Walker, and that unacceptable action that he took. Then we had the Falloon business. So inevitably, um, all the news was negative, and I expected us to take a hit in the polls. I don't believe that it's as bad as that poll last night. In fact, anywhere near. Our own internal polling has us in the high 30s, which is within shooting distance yep. of being able to, to make a game of it and a lot to come during the campaign. And I was a candidate back in 2002 when national support was falling at this point and fell, we fell to our lowest level ever. And I can tell you the mood out there is very, very different. When I am on the streets now, people are saying they really want to hear an alternative to what is happening. They are very worried about the money that is being spent, where that money is coming from, because it doesn't exist, it's being borrowed, and how it's going to be repaid. People don't want to see their children and grandchildren saddled with a debt for money that is being wasted. They understand that money needs to be spent, but they're not seeing a plan from the current government. We're presenting a very, uh, I think, a very clear alternative option and an attractive option, Mm -hmm. and the people are welcoming that, and they are listening. When I was campaigning back in 2002, I found that people were either polite or just switched off. (laughs) Here, I find, no, they're engaged, and we just need to ensure that they know what the choices are um, because the choices that we make in this election are ones that our children and our grandchildren will be paying for mm. for decades to come. And as a parent myself, and I hope one day a grandparent, I do not want to be saddling them with unreasonable debt on wasteful projects. Very I want good. to be ensuring that we leave them a legacy that enables New Zealand to continue to develop and be a country that they'd be proud of living in and see great opportunity in. Mm. And uh, boy, that's worth fighting for. We all agree with that one, and I think uh, on that note we'll let you go and uh, start, <laughs> go, go, start go, fighting. <laughs> go and get out and do that. Yes, I've got a school <laughs> visit this morning and a public meeting right. uh, to speak at, yes. uh, and a couple of constituent uh, visits as well. So there's Plenty happening, yep. and uh, hope to to be back next weekend out on the on the campaign trail again. Yep. Uh, able to talk about positive things, not some unexpected surprise that comes at <laughs> us out of left field. <laughs> well, hopefully, all things being even, we can talk to you again in a couple of weeks' time and uh, see how things are going. And hope the whole area is positive. That's right. Yeah, and, and let's hope that all MPs and all candidates are focusing on those important yep. issues, not having to talk about um, 
poor behavior from one or two people. Oh, God, We're all yeah. tainted by that. I spoke at a church yeah. yesterday morning, and in fact, I wasn't expecting to, but I was invited to come forward and speak. And I began by apologizing. I said, I know that this type of thing looks really bad yeah. and we're all tainted by it I want to assure you that the vast majority of MPs of whichever party in my view do have a heart for service yeah. are in Parliament for the right yeah. reasons do want to um, contribute in every way we can to a better community and to developing uh, our country in attractive ways for the future that's certainly what motivates me it's why I'm still standing sure. and I'm very sorry that unfortunately because of the things that one or two people have been engaged in the impression is that all politicians are a bunch of ratbags and it just turns people off yeah. and I hope they won't be turned yeah. off because we need them turned on yeah. engaged and motivated yeah. to vote Well you and I both know that uh, MPs work very long hours mm -hmm. do a lot of work even on the weekends and, and everything else and uh, do stand a little bit of abuse sometimes perhaps, oh, yes, we and, do. and all of that mm -hmm. and uh, I've got the greatest respect for anybody and any party even uh, those I wouldn't vote for. Anyway, there's... <laughs> well, thank you for that. Yeah. And um, as I say, I understand why people are very disappointed and unimpressed. But uh, yes, we do work very hard. Mm. Uh, I can't... I will have had a day off at some stage in the last couple of months, but I can't remember when it was. And during an election campaign, you just accept the fact that it's a seven-day-a-week job and it will be from here on through to the election. Mm. Uh, time will tell whether it was worthwhile. <laughs> OK. Well, wish you all the very best and uh, look forward to talking to you in two weeks' time. I'll have David in the hot seat next week. Thank you, Brian. God bless you and a very happy week to everybody listening. Thank you very much, folks. Tim McIndoe, National MP for Hamilton West, our guest this morning on Free FM. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.